Welcome back to the conversations where we discover again and again where there's a will, there's a way, and where we learn how entrepreneurs around the world are creating a great life for everyone in the company. Well, welcome to another session of Where There's a Will, There's a Way. And and remember that uh, the point of this whole conversation that we have every week is to take this ideal life that we've identified with five things, doing what you love doing with people that you love, knowing that you're making a great contribution, making the world a better place, you're being compensated appropriately, and finally, you have plenty of time left over for your other passions and your family. We are learning and talking and encouraging each other to take this all the way down to the entire entire organization so that everyone has the opportunity to live this ideal life. And today, we have a great guest, Alex Freytag from Columbus, Ohio. Now, he is not only an implementer, he is an expert implementer of EOS. And, and Alex has done some great work, and he's going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about where, how Alex's journey in EOS, what that's been like, and then we're going to talk about how compensation can help with this ideal life. So welcome, Alex. Thank you, Will. It's great. Great introduction. Appreciate that. So, so Alex, tell us, tell us a little bit about your EOS journey. Yes. So uh, you've heard the phrase overnight success in 26 years or X number of years, same, same kind of thing, uh, always learning. And um, probably, I mean, an entrepreneur since the age of 17, but I'll tell you quite candidly, I didn't know I was an entrepreneur until I was about 40, which is kind of sad. Uh, so it was, a, it was a struggle through those first uh, 23 years, but started, you know, just, I had an art knack. And so I, I made some t-shirts that were pretty cool and had James Dean on them and people were buying them and I was going to schools and selling them in there and, and, you know, it, it was a great project for me. And, uh, but, you know, it's college psychology major, which kind of plays a role now, certainly, and what we do. But um, I started ProfitWorks, uh, my, my sort of first go around of ProfitWorks in 1996 with my brother. And mm. we had, uh, we, our dad was a huge influence for us and uh, really helped us think about, he was on boards of companies, especially around central Ohio and, uh, you know, small family-run businesses and so forth. And what he noticed was that most employees have no idea what profit is or how how small it really is, how precious it is. And so he thought there might be a business idea around helping employees kind of see the bigger picture of how a company makes money. And so we dug into that, started doing surveys of employees. And most employees were responding to the surveys. They would guess profit at about 30 to 50 percent of revenues. And so, uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you thought, oh, this is this is going to be you know, very easy to to sell this service of teaching employees about business and finance. So it was not easy uh, at that time. In the mid '90s, late '90s, Jack Stack had come out. Great game of business was humming. Great, great business, pretty right. niche, and sharing financials with employees was very um, bleeding edge. And so it was difficult, uh -huh. difficult sale. Um, but over the years, it evolved. And I, I joined a company called Ownership Thinking. And that visionary who was in Denver, a great guy, had uh, had it pulled, pulled out of great game of business and had his own little kind of model. And so we set about designing incentive plans and teaching employees about business and finance and really trying to, to get the 
culture of engagement and culture of business literacy going for for many years. And he wrote a book called Ownership Thinking, which uh, which did very well, created a huge amount of demand for us. Um, hired more ownership thinking implementers, and um, in about 2011, one of my ownership thinking clients handed me traction. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. He said, it's the only book you need. <laughs> and I put it on the shelf like a lot of visionaries do. And uh, <laughs> I didn't read it. And about beginning of 12, I read Get a Grip. That was the first book I read. And I loved it. I had a glossary. I had notes. And I would, and so I said, I'm going to be an implementer. So first ah. we, we tried to self-implement and did not work. And in 13, I went to boot camp. And I decided I would do ownership thinking and EOS and just, you know, kind of do both and really realize that EOS had this just wonderful uh, impact on companies. So I put my incentive plan, design expertise and the business literacy, all that kind of stuff on the side and just went all in on EOS for about seven years. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, I got all this stuff going on in my head and I want to get this out. So I uh, wrote ProfitWorks, got it out of my head and launched it in October of twenty. And it's really, it's about unraveling the complexity of incentive plans because it comes up in our sessions, our EOS sessions all the time. And uh, having some kind of a, a resource for our entrepreneurial clients to, to answer a lot of these questions and try not to make it too complex. Uh, and then also bringing in the importance of that financial literacy was really important to me just from my history. And so we baked, kind of baked that in there. And, and that's, that's what we're doing today. So I do like 95% uh, EOS, uh, but I've got an integrator now for ProfitWorks, and it's uh, it's humming along and uh, helping okay. a lot of people, uh, adding a lot of value. Yeah. Well, and and that really is what we as EOS implementers aim at, isn't it? It's it's to really help businesses thrive. Yeah. And and what I'm coming to understand is is that when I'm talking to somebody or when I'm doing anything, I'm really asking three questions: Is is this going to help help this company increase their profit? Yeah. Is it going to help them? Is it going to help them be successful? And finally, is it going to make them happy? That's right. That's exactly right. And so one of the things that, that I'm excited about, uh, you know, just reading through ProfitWorks and using with my clients is, is right now in, you know, we're getting this, I don't know whether we're still ramping up or whether we're on the other side of the curve coming down, but a lot of people coming out of COVID begin to examine their options. Do I have to live here? Do I have to do this kind of work? Uh, how do I how do I supply uh, resources for my family and do something that I really love doing? Yeah, and and it, it, you know that means that businesses all, uh, businesses as well have to change what they're doing, and they have to begin reexamining how we are retaining the great people that we already have employed, and and how we attract and onboard new people and yep. and how do we how do we how do we uh even attract people who are you know are thinking they're going to move to the woods and at least have one connection via the internet but still going to be working yeah uh, how does compensation this whole area of compensation how can how can businesses begin to see that as tools that they can use to retain their great people and attract attract new great people oh it's a great it's a probably an endless question from the standpoint of like no perfect solution for this because different people respond to compensation or this kind of incentive in different ways. And, and some people put a lot of, a lot of weight on comp 
And I mean, I think a lot of people want to be paid for the value they're adding. And then others, you know, want to be in a great place to work and not trying to be the boss and move up the, you know, the accountability chart and all that. So it's, it's not one size is going to fit all, but, you know, from within that compensation sort of umbrella, I'm kind of in this incentive plan world and looking at it. Um, and I, I would, well, I would sort of think about it from there, there's extrinsic sort of rewards like money and, you know, gifts and, and, uh, you know, profit sharing or whatever that might be. And then there's intrinsic. And so if you talk about employee retention, and you talk about attraction, best places to work, these types of trends, the, the companies that are able to balance those, uh, those rewards for their workforce are the ones that tend to be the most successful from a profitability standpoint, from a growth standpoint, from, from just the, the surveys. And so I put compensation and profit sharing, incentive plans, those kind of things in that extrinsic bucket. So, but mm-hmm. it's not the only thing. Um, in, in my experience, again, hundreds of companies doing this since 96 and seeing so many different shapes and sizes, the ones, the companies that are able to really, um, look at the whole person and look at the intrinsic rewards. And these are things like having a great boss, right? Somebody who cares about your growth, coaching you up, um, having fun at work, Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, mm-hmm. So one of the things we talk about is gamifying rocks and then having some kind mm-hmm. of fun company celebration at the end. Certainly that can drive profitability on a financial side, but it balances with this sort of social kind of connection or collaboration with a team of folks who are driving toward the same vision. And so mm-hmm. the balance of intrinsic ex- extrinsic is an art form, I think. Uh, and the companies that really focus on both of those tend tend to be more successful. Um and there are a lot more pieces and, and, the intrinsic part as well. And, and it, it really moves from, from so many times I heard managers coming to me and saying, how do I get my people to do what I tell them to do? It, it moves from how do I get my needs met to how do I hear what they want or need yeah. and how do I help them get it? How do I, how do I help them develop? How do I help them to express their opinions? How do I help them become part of this organization so they really know they belong here? And, yeah. and now, it, what, to what extent does that uh, articulation, creating that, that environment, that context for people to be comfortable sharing what they really want, yeah. and then being supported to get what they really want, how does that fit into ProfitWorks? Yeah, it's, it's great. It, the the Companies that are really the, like the best companies that I've seen have so three general characteristics. And one, one is that they really care. They care about each other. So you think about core values and you think about a share, like a BTO that's shared frequently with the entire company on a state of the company meeting. They care about their products and their services being right. They care about their processes. They care about their customers and they care about their vendors. And they, there's this element of like this uh, love, let's call it. And they have high expectations of performance, which is the second characteristic. These high expectations of performance don't come from the top down, though, Will. And what I see in the best companies is that it's all throughout the organization. You have uh, departments and uh, folks who are really striving to be the best in their what they're doing. And so high expectations of performance sort of show themselves um, in the in, in the book talks a little bit about this, the amount of pressure in an organization is directly correlated to performance. And so companies that don't apply any pressure in the organization 
um, no standards of performance, no expectations, no core values, no measurables, no scorecards, no VTO, uh, no 10-year target, so forth, tend to have lower levels of performance. And the companies mm-hmm. that sort of turn that dial up on those expectations, and we'll call it pressure or anxiety, I call it uh, tension in the book, um, uh, to a point, create higher levels of performance. Now, companies can go too far on that. So if you if you create a culture of fear where everybody's running around worrying about getting you know yelled at or fired or whatever, the the performance drops back down. So it's a nice it's a bell curve. It's called the Yerkes Dodson curve from a long time ago. It's a natural law, mm-hmm. and so those high expectations of performance become that really important sort of critical. I can care about everything around the company and people and, and products and services. And I have high expectations of performance as a company, not just the leadership team. And the third piece is these great companies have fun. And, and my sort of sense is that care plus high expectations equals fun because it's, it's more fun to be part of a winning team. It's intrinsically valuable. If you think about baseball or basketball or any team sport, uh, same thing in a business, it is more fun to be winning. And, um, and so winning in, in this case, of course, is growth and Profitability, good cash flow, all those pieces, great customer uh, testimonials and referrals and all that. Well, hitting your goals, hitting your goals, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. There's hitting your goals there, uh, and it's chemi- yeah. chemically. Yeah, uh, thinking about writing a book <laughs> on this, but I don't know if I'd lose a lot of a lot of folks. But it's fascinating to me because inside our brains, there's chemical reactions to extrinsic rewards, and there's other right. different chemicals that are happening with intrinsic that feeling of of connection and satisfaction and trust. It's got oxytocin and dopamine being mm-hmm. positive chemicals right. that flow. And uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I haven't done the research, but there are some great books on that. So. Well, let me suggest that uh, Facebook uh, has already done all that research for you, and they've engineered it so that uh, we're getting getting all that uh, <laughs> that dopamine hit every time we get a like. <laughs> every time. Right. So- that's, I, I'm so aware of of that distraction that that uh, social media is for us because they've literally engineered a path for us to have those dopamine hits. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's a um, I suppose on one side it's a pretty sad state because mm-hmm. it can really pull pull your eye off the ball, but but um, on the other side we're learning a lot about ourselves in the process. Perhaps the emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, offsets the uh, the distraction. Well, and, and then also, also, I think uh, in business we can learn from this that that it's uh, you know the engineers who put together they didn't manipulate us. They didn't do something horrible. What they simply did was took took human experience, human psychology, and said we can we can use this. Yeah, I think we could do the same thing in business, and that's what I find so fascinating with teaching uh, teaching managers that their task is to find out what people want and help them get it. Yeah, because that's where the dopamine comes from. <laughs> I got what I wanted. Yeah, that's right. And those those conversations, if you think about LMA, lead, manage, hold people accountable, those conversations, I know a lot of leaders are not prioritizing. And they're kind of they're uh-huh. doing their day job, and and if you think about the accountability chart bullets, the LMA's first one. That's got to be number one because in those one to ones, those where you're slowing down, you're taking time to really dig into what your direct report is striving for. Uh, if you can help yeah. them get that, uh, boy, you've got uh, a, you know a, a uh, employee for life. 
it's just it's so fulfilling to to have a boss that really cares about them. And so I, I really see LMA and, and this sort of ties into my my feeling about business literacy is that I think it's the job of anybody that has LMA to really understand how does how does the company work just on a basic level. Yes. You don't have to be an accountant, but like you know, sales and costs and profit and those kinds of things and cash and the difference and so so that the 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 conduit or the the connection, the link between the leadership team and and all the folks who are who are doing the hard work in the business can be those leaders, and they have to be champions for for profit, champions for uh, business literacy, not just for themselves, but further further out in the organization. And uh, I, it is it is a thing that people on leadership teams sometimes have not been exposed to basic uh, finance and business literacy, and so they maybe feel like imposter syndrome or you know, kind of fake it till I make it. So, uh-huh. but let's start start where we need to start, and uh, and then cascade that literacy throughout the organization. I think it makes everybody a better player on the team. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and getting getting very clear about what what the organization wants to do, so that we buy into that, we own it. This is I want to help the organization get to that place, and and then really clarify what my role is what things can i do on a daily basis to help us move forward yeah. and and then on that quarterly basis where we have our our 555s five, five, fives, our, our quarterly conversations and when we are lifting each other up in that all company conversation yeah. this is how we're getting to our goal and, and making making that so clear that it's it's that we're all on the same team yeah and we're all moving together. That to me is so exciting because we're really changing from uh, Jack Welch is just he 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 gets to have the name for it. But uh, but that whole notion of the whole reason for business is to return money to to the uh, to, to the to the investor the to the shareholder. Yeah. To move from that to to recognizing that that money will generate for the shareholders when we're all rowing in the same direction and we all get clear about what contribution we're making to make it no, a world better you're place. You're absolutely right. The, uh, that feeling of being one company, one team, uh, tried to capture in the book around incentive plan design so that you're not having sort of pockets of mm-hmm. excellence. You have a company of excellence. And so it's, it's bringing it up to the we level versus the me level. And it, it maybe sounds a little socialistic, but the truth is, if, if in a business, if we take better care of the we, mm-hmm. we can definitely take better care of the me, like with in terms of not only incentive plan, mm-hmm. but better tools and technology and equipment and capital investments and paying down debt and, and reducing interest expenses and so forth. The, the company is going to be able to, to thrive if everybody's focused on we first and then me. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a little it sounds mm-hmm. a little counterintuitive and and uh, but but. It it works, it really works. And, and and what I what I find so interesting and so reassuring is that when when managers really live by the five things about uh, being a great manager and the five things about being yeah. a great leader, they don't have to add to it. And now I'm going to hold you accountable. Those those ten things create right. accountability. Yeah, it's it's a net effect. Right. And yeah. and and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so often when we talk about accountability as as something we have to get, we have to do right. to somebody. But it's not that at all. It's 
what you really do is begin to relate to somebody as a human being involved in a great project. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and then accountability comes. Uh, or they say, you know, this is not the boat I want to be on. Yeah. This is not the direction I want to go. Yeah. This, is not, this is really not me. Okay, let me help you find well, the right That's where boat. the people analyzer can be so so yeah. uh, valuable of a tool for, it's a thinking tool. It's not a grade card. It's a thinking tool for anybody who has LMA to help them have a healthy conversation with their direct board to help them get what they want. And it might not be mm-hmm. at, at that business, but um, well, you're absolutely right. So well, the yeah, it's, it's also discernment to help help the person get feedback about where they are to learn, well, yeah. wait a minute, do I have to be in this place just because my father and mother said that I would be good at this? Um, right. Uh, 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 what if this is not my, what if this is not my unique ability? Yeah. Can I really find another place? Uh, that to mm. me is where that, 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 where the, uh, 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 the people analyzer becomes just a mutual conversation, mutual exploration, mm-hmm. and discernment for everybody involved in it. No, that's great. That's a great way to put it. Love that discernment. Yeah. So, 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 what what does what can somebody do to help identify effective, motivating uh, incentives? So. There are a couple of things. I, I probably should start on what not to do. And it kind of, okay. they're tied to the same coin. But um, you know, probably the first one is, and I've talked to businesses recently that have this, but they've already sort of allocated their bonus for the year as a line item. Mm-hmm. And that's basically an expense. And so the, the opposite of that is a self-funded incentive plan. And that's super critical, right? Do we want the incentive plan to pay for itself? And that requires some different behavior uh, on the part of everybody in the, in, the, in the business. And if we back up and start to say, well, what, let's go back into to defining the purpose of an incentive plan. What is the primary purpose of an incentive plan? And, you know, I ask that question with when I do speaking engagements and so forth and lots of different ideas of, of the purpose but I try to boil it down, and it ties into what we're doing with EOS in that it's directing human energy. Mm-hmm. Like an incentive plan, an effective incentive plan should shape human energy or employee behavior toward improving the financial performance of the company. And if, if all employees are thinking and looking and acting like an owner, when they see, you know, like the ones and zeros in the business, they start to say, that's inefficient, that's wasteful, why are we doing that? And they can start to actively participate and finding the money to fund the incentive plan. So mm-hmm. it's self-funded from that standpoint, but it requires a different level of thinking uh, mm-hmm. on the part of not only the leadership team, but also the, the group that's uh, really kind of um, actively finding those dollars and those pennies that are on the floor. So that's the big one is self-funded um, and avoiding it being an expense. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of teams have discretionary plans. And so the discretionary meaning they get to the end of the year, they have a little bit of money left over. So they say, well, let's you know, let's split it up. Out. And again, it's it's more of a bonus. It's not right. shaping behavior. Um, no. I've seen siloed uh, incentive plans, and they're, again, they're making it too complex. So if we can pull back a little bit and say, how do we simplify this? You know, let's take it to the highest level, because it's possible that this department earns their incentive and you have to pay it out. And this one earns theirs, but this one missed and missed. And maybe the company's losing money for some other reason. You're paying out incentives and it sends this conflicting message. And it's also difficult and time consuming to administer. So there's a lot of negatives to making complex incentive plans. Um, the, 
the complexity of it also creates two other problem potentials. One is that it's difficult to explain because it's complex. And so you, you'll, you'll be halfway through your PowerPoint or whatever, and people's eyes are glazing over and they're not even sure <laughs> what's going on. Right. And the other side of that is if it's complex, it's difficult for them to trust it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how are you, how am I getting screwed on this one? You know, is kind of what maybe the, the, the head trash that's going on. And so simple, simplify, simplify, simplify is kind of the, the biggest one to move toward. And so the book talks all about that. Just, just trying to pick a trigger, you know, minimum threshold of profit that the company has to reach before the incentive plan kicks in and then arm your workforce with tools and training and resources to actively find the money to uh, incremental profit dollars over that threshold, and they can share in part of that. Mm -hmm. And so there's some formulas to that. The the good thing about the formula-driven plan is that it's kind of objective. And and so you're not uh, succumbing to the the whims of of the Santa Claus effect, which we talk about in the book, where people are kind of well-behaved in Q4 on the calendar year Mm -hmm. uh, because, hey, boss is putting the bonus structure together. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it systemizes it a bit. It's, it's also, it's the template you can use every year. Now your threshold might change. The percentage of profits over that threshold that you're putting into the incentive pool might change, but the basic structure of the plan is, is the same. And then really it's about using scorecards, measurables, level 10 meetings, all the tools, uh, other tension tools that we talk about in the books to, to help the employees uh, engage in driving uh, incremental profits to fund the plan. So, so those are some sort of things to avoid, things to make sure to include. So to what extent is it helpful to have uh, people at various levels participate in creating the plan? That's interesting. I, I tend to work just with uh, a couple of leaders on the leadership team who are sort of heavily involved. And it's usually somebody's rock on their side. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we got to bang this out in the next 90 days kind of thing. And so... Um, They'll call us and we'll help them design it. We just do it over Zoom. But it's usually we're working with a finance person, working with uh, integrator, visionary often, and some, occasionally some other members of the leadership team. But typically not um, folks that are uh, deeper or further out in the organization. Um, it's not it's not a democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we're taking care of, of mm-hmm. the business, taking care of the books, thinking about capital investments and future obligations, taking care mm-hmm. of debt and lines of credit and so forth. So there's... There's a lot of thinking that has to go on sort of in the mm-hmm. development and design of the plan to keep it keep it small, right. like Lanchoni right. recommends, right. Um, and focused on the we, the we comp side of things, collective results, you know, top of right. the pyramid. Well, is uh, there a place for the question to be asked to the employees, does this make sense to you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the rollout of the plan, like the initial communication of it, Mm-hmm. is is key what we used to do is roll it out and then kind of like yeah. <laughs> right right wait right uh and and now i start to see the support the ongoing support of these leadership teams to provide them with uh, content that they can teach just little nuggets of biz mm-hmm. biz lit wisdom every quarter in right. the state of the company to reinforce it talk about hey we're on track maybe you have a visual thermometer to mm-hmm. show progress, or if you're doing the bucket bonus plan, the pails, you're showing the pails filling up with profits, and and uh, and maybe there's payouts going on. Some companies like to pay out quarterly, some pay out mm-hmm. when a pail is filled, and others pay mm-hmm. out annually. But the key is communicate, communicate, communicate around it. And so 
for, for the employees to, to understand it is key. Mm-hmm. And that means mm-hmm. it's a two-way conversation, not just yeah. a presentation. Yeah. Yes, you know? that's what yeah. I was looking for, is that, yeah. that this is a conversation that proceeds from, uh, begins with a lot of work that some sophisticated people have done. But ultimately, yeah. the entire organization has to agree that, number one, we understand it. It makes sense. Yeah. Number two, we are delighted and excited about the goals. And yeah. we are so excited about how we're going to get there. And we're also not only willing, but we enjoy being measured along the way. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that goes into to your point about accountable folks. Mm-hmm. Like to be accountable. They're, they're great people, right? People write seats, like appreciate the accountability. They appreciate right. measurables and scorecards and showing up in meetings on time and so forth. And those are the little, the little sort of um, pieces that build up to a strong foundation of uh, all in on one company, one VTO, one voice, one incentive plan. It's right. our score at the end of the game. Yeah. Let's drive profit. Now we all drive it in different ways and we can mm-hmm. set up challenge rocks and so forth to, to drive uh, departmental improvements on various sort of broken things or inefficient mm-hmm. things. But overall, keep it simple, one number, and uh, everybody's driving toward that we scoreboard versus you know the me stats. And, and isn't it interesting that we start off with, in our early EOS training, uh, we start off with uh, one voice, uh, one team, the journey with the leadership team. Yes, and and ultimately that has to become one voice, one team for the entire company. It really does. Yeah, it's and I kind of I when I spell that out, I do mean the company. Like I know we're talking about the leadership team that early in the EOS journey, um, but I want them to start to see like, years down the road. Like this is one company. We are. You know, we're all rowing, like you said earlier, in the same direction. We're on this boat. We're in different seats, but we're all going the same place. We're going to climb, mm-hmm. you know, mix my metaphors here, but we're climbing that mountain, right? This right. this next yeah. year, and let's go. And, uh, you know, you get toward the top. It's it, You're about to, to reach the, you, like, what, what mountain's next? You know, right. and, yeah. Uh, yeah. it might be a different team, a little bit different team because that happens. And, uh, and that's okay. But it is one, like, the oneness of it is the critical piece. I totally agree with you. Yeah. All right. So, so what will, what would people do uh, if, if they were excited or intrigued by uh, our conversation today, what would you like them to do? Would you like them to uh, buy a copy of the book? Would you like them to pick up the phone and call you? Is there a place on the web that they can see some video? I don't know. What is it that uh, you would like them to do? Well, I appreciate that. It, and the, reading the book is really the best first step. Um, it's on Audible. I, I read it out on Audible, recorded it. So I kind of go off script here and there. But um, that's probably the best place to start because once it's in your head, you'll you start noodling on it. It's not a long book. Uh, like maybe if, if on 1.2 speed, it's probably a two-hour book or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, that's a good place to start. We have our website, ProfitWorksLLC.com kind of has some resources and tools and, and downloadable like uh, exercises from the, you know, they're printed in the book. Uh, the mindset scorecard is a great um, kind of think about your thinking as an entrepreneur. Uh, and that's on the web as well, that profitworksllc.com. You can, it's a quick little 
scorecard and say, where's your head on these eight mindsets today? And where do you want it to be uh, in the future? And then you kind of think about what that gap and, and what types of uh, things would you have to do to, to fill that gap? And like one of the mindsets is around transparency. If you're a completely closed book type of person, and you're not going to share ever anything with anybody probably isn't for you. And, right. uh, right. you know, and, and so you can go through that, that whole continuum from closed book to radical transparency. And, and most people are somewhere in the middle. And mm-hmm. so that mindset scorecard will kind of help you think about uh, what you, what do you share today? What have you shared in the past? And, you know, do, do you believe, do you believe that if you shared more information with people, they could make better decisions? Mm-hmm. Well, well, it does back up a little bit. It's do you believe that your your people are assets like machines yeah. or yeah. are they human beings who can solve problems, who can take initiative, who can yeah. have hopes, dreams and and all sorts of other things that will propel the boat forward? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it is a um, I said earlier, you're caring, really caring about people. Yeah. And we say the same thing about LMA. You you, you have to care about people. It's just not, yeah. you know, so uh, that piece of it's very, uh, very critical to the success of, of something like this. This is um, it is, you know, the book's about incentive plans, but it's really not. It's about cultural transformation. Really. Right. And that takes time. That's glacial. It's glacial. And, and so depending on where you're starting, it's, it, you know, it can take, take a bit of time, but it depends on what you want as an entrepreneur with the culture and the legacy and so forth that you're building with your organization. And, yeah. and if it's something along those lines, um, you know, I've heard that, that the book is very helpful for, for helping think through that as well. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. So buy the book, buy go the book. to ProfitWorks LLC and take a look there. Uh, now, how is this, what is your preferred uh, vehicle for helping? Is it, is it you personally to help? Is it uh, mm-hmm. to get EOS implementers to make this part of their toolkit? Uh, or, or is it to simply inspire individual companies to do this on their own? Well, it's all those things. Absolutely. I, I um, and I'll go back to the EOS life because if you think about, being compensated appropriately, you know, will we know that that's tied to value, mm-hmm. and so to the degree um, it adds value. Uh, you know, read the book, self-implement. Uh, we put everything in there, right? If you need help, uh, call us. We we coach uh, sort of an incentive plan design coaches to help you get the thing designed with confidence and mm-hmm. get it launched with confidence, and that's sort of a you know, full implementation. Uh, implementers, EOS implementers, if they're interested in in uh, learning more about this, you know, certainly connect with us. Uh, most implementers are, are like staying in their EOS lane. They're like, I don't right. want to know about that, which is absolutely I don't want to be Colby trained. Yeah. Uh, I'll find a Colby guru. I'll find a, I'll find a ProfitWorks guru, right? And you know, the strategic coach phrase, who, not how. Yes, uh, we become the who for incentive plan design, and and we have an online portal for uh, business literacy. Now, I, I recorded mm-hmm. maybe ten or twelve videos. They're pretty short, five to ten minutes, and it's a course that that uh, allows. It's almost train the trainer, but your leadership team to watch a video, download a PowerPoint and some PDFs, and and actually uh, teach 
uh, you know, the income statement or teach the blank income statement or teach the difference between cash and profit or teach challenge rocks, so forth. So it's a library of videos that we're trying to create independence for our teams like we do with EOS mm-hmm. so that uh, anybody, again, with LMA can go in there and watch video and get armed with uh, the confidence to be able to to teach a little aspect of business literacy. So that that uh, methodology, call it the masterclass, profit link masterclass, has been uh, very well received and, and is people using that and implementers uh, getting in there and, and seeing how they might be able to uh, to learn how to talk more knowledgeably about this with their mm-hmm. clients as well. Mm-hmm. So those are all great. And and oh, we did reduce the case pack of the books. Some, pe- some people like to have cases of books. It used to be 32 books. I was like, that's a lot <laughs> of books. So we got it down to 12. Good, um, good. Yeah. So uh, that's on the website too. If you want, if you if you're handing them out, or you know, and we super appreciate it. I get all seventy nine cents of the book. So hey, really- hey, way to go! What <laughs> a business plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that that happened to me with one of my clients, um, the manufacturing client, there uh, yeah. pumps, and uh, uh, you know the people on the line are. Many of them didn't even graduate from high school or they're, you know, they are uh, first generation uh, immigrants. And uh, so a a woman came to me and we talked and her expertise is not training business financial literacy, but training financial literacy. I love it. Yeah. And so I introduced her to the HR people at uh, uh, the company. And then together they put together, well, she already had it put together, but they gave yeah. the people on the line three session of financial literacy, teaching them how to open a bank account, mm. teaching them what right. savings is about, yeah. teaching them how to put together a budget, a simple family budget. What wow. an astounding change that made for people yeah. from, or on the one hand, the company saying we care about you, your financial stability and and your yeah. financial knowledge. Here's a way to help your family. Uh, that coming from the company was was unexpected, but wildly received. Oh, and then secondly, yeah. teaching them how to take care of their finances better. Uh, yeah. and, and I just cannot. I cannot even imagine uh, the quality of of the relationship that was deepened by that oh offer God. and by that that process. Well, a couple of thoughts on that. Well, one one is that um, to the degree the employee's personal life is stable, mm-hmm. and they're going to be a much better employee. So there's such a win win there yes. in a way. Yes. Um, the, the respect it shows. The um, the interest, the caring that we've talked about that it shows. The other piece that I think is really uh, congruent here is that when when you think about teaching business finance to employees, a lot of times like, well, hey, finance seat, I need you to go out there and you know, and they'll maybe overcomplicate it over the heads and not even sort of aware of the audience response. So I found that one of the best ways to teach. Uh, business finance is to start with household finance. Oh, and so it's a very simple uh, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of group activity, but you start yeah. with, let's pretend you take home, you know, three grand a month and you spend yeah. your bill in this way and you have 60 bucks left over or something. And then, so let's say you decide to, you're not happy with that. And so you're still got the 
the three grand at the top per month, but you decide to cut your phone bill and you turn off the cable and you go out to eat less often and you shop at, you know, Sam's Club instead of Whole Foods and you, you know, so forth. And, and you start to see, well, that, now there's $300 the bottom line. And mm-hmm. so what could you do with that? Well, you could do start a vacation fund. Maybe that's our mm-hmm. self-funded incentive plan. You know, so we're, we're thinking about, especially in a, in a manufacturing environment like you're describing, uh, all the, the money, there's about 8% of profits that are just falling through the cracks in most businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. to a degree, we can kind of wake up, wake folks up and shine the light in all the corners. Uh, we can find that money and, and it becomes that self-funded incentive plan again. So, yeah. but it's, it's a more um, lower risk way, lower sort of fear mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. to start to get into something that really, as you and I both know, it's not rocket science. Um, there is math, there are zeros mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, but but get letting letting them sort of enter into the conversation in a more gradual way uh-huh. starts to open up their eyes and they get them in small groups and say, you know, so let's go into the business like we're doing six percent profit. and We really should be doing 10. Like, how do we what do you guys see? You know, where's the money falling through the cracks and start, you know, and if, if to the degree we can seal up some of these cracks that we start to fund that incentive plan. And it becomes this really fun, like you said, two-way conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Where we're tapping into this untapped potential that's out there. Smart uh-huh. people, good people, but just haven't presented in a, a, or created a forum for them to really share those. Right. Those ideas. And I think what we're doing is we are saying you have agency. Yes. You, yeah. you can contribute. You can make things happen in your family. And in the business, we can work together because you have some unique abilities to bring. Yeah. As do I, as do the rest of us. And as we contribute and learn how to communicate and learn how to get focused and the power of focus on our goals, long term, short term, medium term, as we get focused on that and we can monitor it, measure it, uh, celebrate it or make changes to get there. Yeah. What we're really communicating is not only do you have value, you can create value. Oh, I love it. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think of Dan Pink's book, Drive. Because yes. Agency, agency is that feeling of control. Like you yes. have a goal out there, a mountain you want to climb, and, and, and you have a sense of control and your pathways up there. That's right. And so there's hope, right? To the, to the, and so that's, that sense of autonomy, mastery, unique ability, mm-hmm. perhaps, mm-hmm. a strategic coach. And mm-hmm. purpose, uh, the sense of that intrinsic, that drive that is more than just the money. It's it's like adding value and uh, and changing lives, but creating your future. And um, yeah. so I love that that piece of it. And, and yeah. if you do read Drive, you know, I mean, Dan's got a lot of uh, data on um, th- this around the world of incentives and mm-hmm. motivation. And mm-hmm. so it's really fascinating for me, sort of a psychology, you know, guy to to read all, all different views into the black box we are. Right, right. That's super. This has been a great conversation, Alex. I am so glad that, that we took the time to do this. Me too. Well, thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. It's great yeah, to share. Super. Hopefully I've inspired some folks too. Well, of course, of course. This is not going away. It's like every other video. It sits up there forever. <laughs> so be careful what you say. That's right. I'm very cautious. I've been told that more than once. <laughs> well, so Alex, before we leave, what are you excited about in the next six months? 
Um, oh, so much. Let's see. So I, I mentioned to you, we've got empty nests going on at home. So mm-hmm. the kids mm-hmm. are going to school and getting jobs. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out, Christina, what, what future we want to create together. That's a big one. And, um, secondly, on the business side, we've got the EOS conference, which is out there in 23, which is in Indianapolis. And it's about 50% sold out. So it'll be sold out by the end of the year, but I'm the MC for that. And, um, mm-hmm. that's been just a, a passion. Uh, a time for other passions, uh, kind of labor of love, uh, since Tom and I founded that back in, was it 17? And mm-hmm. uh, so that is going to be a lot of fun with leadership teams, just like-minded community uh, of folks, core values aligned, hanging out and learning and teaching. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'd say one other one other thing is uh, a family trip. My mom, who's 84, Three, she's gonna kill me if she watches this. I don't think she watches, but anyway, uh, is taking us to Africa. So we're gonna oh! go. Oh, never been there. Yeah. Oh, right. So that'll be a lot of fun. Excellent. Uh, Wonderful. So Excellent. my brothers and their families and mine. That'll All be right. pretty exciting. Excellent. Excellent. Well, just wonderful to be with you. And and this is a great contribution to people who, you know, when you recognize it, when we have something that, that we want to accomplish. The most important thing is having the will to do it, because when you got the will, there's a way. And and what we know is that that a major contribution to retaining your people, your great people and attracting new great people is broadcasting that your commitment as a company is for everyone to get to the place where they're only doing what they love doing with people that they love that they're that you're clearly identifying how not only your company's making a great uh, contribution and changing the world for a better place but everybody in that organization is playing their part in it and and everyone is being compensated appropriately and this whole conversation about incentives and how all of that plays in get everybody rowing in the same direction and then finally we're not working 90 hours a week <laughs> everybody has plenty of time for their other passions and their family that's what this is all about. So thanks so much for contributing, Alex, to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Where There's a Will, There's a Way with Will Christ. If anything resonated with you, you can find tools to help you and your leadership team create a great life for everyone in your company at willchrist.com. Come and join the conversation at willchrist.com.